It's time for the Juice Box Junkies, an independent Houston Astros podcast. All Astros, all the time. Astros news, analysis, and opinions right here on the Juice Box Junkies. Episode 16 of the Juice Box Junkies is now underway. Brian Dunleavy, I always forget Fredericksburg, Virginia. I remember because you told me there's one in Texas. And speaking of Texas, Matt, Uncle Kunkel, Dallas, Texas. How's it going, fellas? It is going great. Sporting my new Bucky's hat since they're I like standing it. across the uh, across the nation. So I was. You know, I got the joy of going to Bucky's in um, in South Carolina. Oh. There's a there's a Bucky's in South Carolina. Wow, Bucky's is big, big time, fellas. We're almost at halfway point of the major league season. The Astros are currently at fifty two and twenty seven. Uh, I my personal uh, calculation and. Um, that I have and I do and I keep every day says they're on pace for 105 wins, which I don't think anybody saw coming. Now I will say that doesn't project forward, right? I'm not projecting that forward. I'm saying if they continue to play like they played outscoring, you know, the team by the the same amount they've been outscoring them by, which is 91 runs this year and um, giving up the few runs that the starting staff is giving up. There's a potential for 105 runs if there are no major injuries. Of course, that could all come crashing down shortly. But I think the AL West is over, right? 13 and a half game lead, middle of the season. Brian, you go first. What's your take on the first half of the season? Well, I think I think I'll echo exactly what you said. I think we're over uh, 100 wins. Um, I think I'm, I, I will I will project that no problem because of two factors that uh, you couldn't account for until they happen, right? Um, angels, that uh, they just collapsed, and now they have uh, their one of their star players out for the season, so it's just going to get worse from there. So no problem there. And the Mariners, um, lots of question marks. They've had some injuries too, and uh, their pitching held up for a month, and then it collapsed after that. So. You know, with those two factors in there, that, those are only the only competition that we have. I mean, the Athletics are a Triple A team, and the and the Rangers just like to spend money for a couple of names to to be at you know sub five hundred. So, um, you know, with that said, in combination with as as well as our pitching staff is doing, and, and our hitters uh, are starting to come around too. I mean, that's that's a pretty dangerous combination. My only my only worry is uh, and concern is for the future is when we start getting towards October that we're actually playing some real competition going into the playoffs so they, uh, you know, can get amped up from there because, you know, I think I think our last series that we have is, is pretty tough, our last two series. But, you know, besides that, the entire month of September is pretty much a cakewalk. Just like the month of July, right? There's a lot of athletics and a, a lot of um, a, uh, A's in athletics, same thing, angels in athletics. Yeah in the month of July, a lot of AL West uh, besides the Texas Rangers. 
Matt Conkle, you are one of the most optimistic Astro fans I know. You're always looking at the bright side of things. I mean, are you, what are you projecting? 140 wins? No, they couldn't do that. Yeah. 120 wins? Yeah. Should, should I step on the gas and say they're going to they're gonna get to 115? Um, <laughs> no. It, it, it's, it's playing out as we talked about. We, I mean, I think every podcast we say the season was they got to get through April. They got through April. They're starting to cruise now. They're going to play a lot of Oakland games, a lot of Ranger games, a lot of beat-up Angel games. They're going to get Lance McCullers back at some time. And, you know, we can say, hey, the season could fall apart. You know, we could get a few injuries, and that could kill us. You know, the Astros have not been hitting the ball until the last month. They They were grossly underperforming for what we expect from them. And, you know, like, Brantley really hasn't had a stellar season yet, and he's going to come back from injury. Yuli's starting to hit a little bit. Things actually, I, I think they actually might have a better second half, coupled in with that, uh, coupled in with, um, um, you know, all the, the easy schedule that they're going to see. Right, Brian hit the head, nail on the head. You know, we're going to keep winning. We, we are definitely going to exceed 100 wins. I'm gonna, I, I think 105 is, is generous, Marty, but I mean, I'll take that. It's, can the, is this team a 162-game team, or is it a 16-game team in October? Like, can – like, let's – I think that's going to be the test. I agree with you 100%. We're going to get to that at the back end of this podcast, maybe talk a little bit about what the Astros need to do to become a 16-game team uh, in the postseason. That's, I think we all three recognize there's some – some shortcomings on the team. But before we get to what I wanted to talk about first, with which was Jeremy Pena's defense, I saw a sad-looking Mike Trout over uh, that series with the Angels. And I don't, I don't – I mean, yes, he struck out 104 times, I think. But I'm just talking about his, his body language was horrible. In the outfield, um, he just had a – a lost look on his face. And, and I guess that's, you know, seven, eight years in Anaheim will do that to anyone, but man, he just looked like a shell of himself. Uh, they kept throwing the fastball high to him and he could not hit it for anything. I think that the best thing I saw him do was pop up to short, shallow center field, which is shocking to um, <laughs> shocking to me anyway. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Pena. Okay. The rookies had some big moments at the plate. Uh, huge home runs, uh, you know, game winners in the last two in the last few days, few games anyway. But I'm going to question this defense. Now, I look at defensive runs, say, Brian and I were going back and forth about this before you join us, Matt, before we hit record. The de- I do not believe the defensive run saved metrics. It's got him in the 97th percentile. He's got 12 errors, the most of any shortstop, He's fielding 950, the worst of any shortstop. And at some point, we can project what saves a run defensively, but you've got to make the routine play. And I don't remember if you were on or not, but when Brian and I were talking to us, Carlos Correa, for example, has five errors. Not just that, Pena's played in about 10 less games than most of these shortstops. So he has less games, more errors, a lower fielding percentage. I'm not saying the guy's a horrible defender. That's not what I'm pointing out. I'm just saying 97th percentile of defensive runs saved in the major leagues is a bit much. I'm an old guy. I want you to make the routine plays. 
I don't care about these fantastical could have maybe if he did this kind of play. Ground ball to shortstop should be an easy throw to first for a major leaguer. He's a rookie. He's going to get better. But I believe that's a shortcoming in his game right now. What say you, Matt Kunkel? Yeah, that the 97th percentile seems a bit high. I mean, especially the last couple of weeks, you've seen some plays that you know make you say, "Oh, Carlos would have got that." But you know, he is a rookie. He's going to do it, and it's going to be fantastic that he can maybe work through some of these kinks in July and August when we're beating the A's by five or six rounds, where he can actually work on, you know, getting those routine plays in. I. Yeah, it, it's it's an eyeball test with the 97th percentile. It, it makes me kind of shake my head. Kind of like when I would shake my hand the other way when Carlos would be like in the 97th percentile and I'd be like, no, he's much higher. He's Who's in the same right. range? Um, I, you know what? It, it is what it is with, with him. You know, we're going to have to ride with him. We're going to have to go with his growing pains here on, on the defensive end. But you know what? Could be worse. Like, He's still better than pretty much all of the infield for the for the White Sox and all these other teams that you know, pay a lot of money. Um, I I only see upside again, and I you know we're kind of victims of our of our own realities for the last couple of years. We've seen like the arguably the best defensive shortstop ever is he in the top conversation there? I don't know. Carlos was we were spoiled, so I think we just gotta you know settle in with with. Uh, expectations here and just, and just let, let him grow into his own. I mean, that's fair enough, but just realize he's on pace for 25 errors. And hey. that's if he, that's if he plays 125 games or so. So seems like a lot to me. I, and I get it. You, you're used to Correa there, so it's hard to watch, but, and you know, that defensive run save metric is, and Brian, and I were talking about this, you know, it's, 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 it involves range, right? So, and if he was getting two balls and making crazy throws to try and throw people out and made an error, I'm good with that. But mm-hmm. the last two have been routine ground balls uh, to shortstop, and he just he just hasn't made the play. Again, I'll take him in a second. Uh, this is, you know, <laughs> first world problems, first MLB problem, first place MLB team problems, right? Um, he's been fantastic. He's been very clutch. Boy, He's been better than Trevor Story. No doubt. And he can crush a fastball. He's hitting fastballs at 306, by the way. So uh, they may want to find something else. Brian, your take on uh, Jeremy Pena's defense and just kind of overall. Yeah, I mean, I think you guys pretty much summed it up there. I mean, he, he he's a rookie, so we expected – we talked about that a little bit too, Marty, before we got on here and started recording. You know, we don't expect him to be Carlos Correa. I don't think that's fair for anybody. Um, he's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. Um, the, the question is, you know, um, this is the beginning. So where does he go to? Where's his potential? Where's, you know, where does he end up? And, and hopefully get some more reps in with some quality, uh, you know, veterans and, and hall of famers and that sort of thing. And gets coached up to be where he's supposed to be. I think, uh, some of the ones that, you know, looking at, uh, like the last one that we, he just made on that routine ground ball to the infield, that's, that's a, simply a mental error that's that's all that was he did not finish his throw he he you know got got in the right position and then he just he just let his feet stop and 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 his throw went wide i mean that's that's it so if he just mentally was you know feeling like yeah i got it no problem kind of hitting the cruise control button as opposed to focusing and, and finishing 
do the play. Um, you know, I think that's all that, and that's a rookie. Uh, that's a rookie mistake for sure, hundred percent. So um, I don't know how many of those. I, I I don't remember all the errors, so you know I can't say what percentage of his errors are that. Um, but you know, Kungle was right when he said you know we we're spoiled with Correa. I mean, he had an absolute cannon, and he could make plays in the hole or wherever and throw a guy out that that was you know absolutely lightning down the line just because of how how strong his arm was. And same thing, turning double plays. So. No, we're not going to get close to that with with Pena. I like Pena's range. Obviously, he's got great range, and and he can get to some more balls and and, and make some more things happen. But um, but we have yet to see the the highlight reel on on defense. I don't think we're going to see the highlight reel from him on defense. I think it's all going to be offensive highlight reels for him. So, which you know, I, I think that's that's fine as long as when it's crunch time. And so far at the plate, crunch time, he's been good. Um, as long as long, as long as that translates in the playoffs to the field as well, you know we can't have s- silly errors and mistakes in, in the playoffs when you're playing, you know, a three game or or, or a seven game series. Um, that that could really that could really haunt you. So we'll see. I, I like his potential. I think he's he's doing great so far. Far exceeded my expectations. Uh, you know, for for the season offensively. Um, so you know, if you would have told me he would have had. Uh, what is it? Uh, Eleven home runs, thirty RBIs, and two seventy-eight. I would have said, "Great, sign him up." Yeah, he's having a, <laughs> and and I should, you know, I don't want to be all negative on him. Um, he's been great offensively, not great, great for a rookie. Two seventy-eight, four seventy-five slug, eleven home runs, as you said. So he's on pace for 22, 23 home runs, and I like the guy. I'm not trying to be Joe negative. I'm just trying to point out that he's not all that he's being cracked up to be defensively at least uh, not yet. Okay. Brian, you wanted to talk. Well, let me just, let me just add, you know, the other facts to that as well. He's also not going to be the two hole guy that a lot of people are calling for him to slide up to the two hole for Brantley. He's not, he's not going to be that guy. So, uh, you know, the people calling for that, that's way too premature to have him up in such a prime hitting position. Um, So, yeah, he still strikes out too much, and he uh, chases uh, chases a lot. Um, chase chase rates in the 13th percentile. So, yeah, that that's where I notice him being a rookie more than anything is chasing pitches out of the strike zone. So, Brian, you wanted to talk about the potential. Jake Odorizzi is back from injury. The only thing hurting is his feelings right now after last night's game. Uh, Lance McCullers threw 32 pitches today, and – through some sliders and curves and all kinds of things. So uh, Matt's getting excited about Lance coming back, but you wanted to talk about the potential of a seven man rotation, not a six man rotation, a seven man rotation. State your case so we can laugh you off the podcast. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, throw all the flack my way. This is, this is going to be entertaining, but here, here's, here's what I'm looking at. September, you have September call-ups and last I checked that you get two spots. And, and so one of those spots that has to be, uh, I don't, I, I can't see them not calling up Hunter Brown. Uh, it has to be Hunter Brown. Um, he has to be one of those spots. And I know there's a lot of people that are saying, oh, well, you know, he's going to be called up and they'll throw him in the bullpen. But if you're projecting a guy to be a starting pitcher, you don't put him in the bullpen because it's a whole different mindset and, and, and a whole different approach to everything. So, 
you know, the Twitter verse is saying that he, he'd be great, call him up and get him some reps in the bullpen, and that'll that'll be his use. I think that's that's more abuse than anything. Um, so so for him, he's gonna he's gonna be called up in September. I say he gets a handful of starts in three, maybe at the most four um, starts while he's up, um, just to fill in. And and the reason I say that, and adding to the crazy rotation numbers of the seven man <laughs> rotation, is also your you got McCullers who's coming off injury. You got JV who's already way past where he's supposed to be coming off injury and his pace. So you got two guys that you really want to, I don't want to say nurse to the finish line, but you want to, you want to give them the reps that they need, but you also don't want to overwork them so that they're fresh for the playoffs. And, and looking at the wonderful schedule for September, there are 30 days in September and there are a total of four days that we have off. And so not an easy end to the year. And then after that, you finish off the, you know, with, um, you know, five straight games in October. So there has got to be some space and some room in there for spot starts and, and that sort of thing. Um, doing the math with all the games left starting at September 1 through the end of the season, each of the starters can get four starts if there's a seven-man rotation. And four starts is not a bad number of starts for a month period of time if you think about it i mean that's kind of that's kind of average anyways so you know you're going to have jv in there you're going to have mccullers in there each getting four starts at the front end then you have fromber of course in there and if and if we haven't traded away or or garcia or odorizzi um uh then we're really there's no room you have christian javier and then then you have hunter brown that you're calling up in september there's no reason to call him up if you're not going to play him, you know. So, um, so in the end, I'm, I'm. This is my, and I can see Dusty doing it. That's the other reason why I throw it out there. <laughs> uh, but that's my that's my prediction. You have JV, McCullers, Fromber, Javier, then Garcia, then Urquidy, and then Hunter Brown, and then and then Odo's in the pen or traded. I mean. I, that I, that's I mean no there's no reason to go to eight that'd be ridiculous right but seven's pretty ridiculous too um, but I could see it happening just by the the sheer fact that it's Dusty Baker and there are a ton of games in a short amount of time. Hunter Brown is five and three as we speak with a two point four two ERA, um, sixty seven inning pitched only forty four hits and check this out ninety two strikeouts. So, Matt, say your piece, and then I want to rebut Brian a little bit. What do you think <laughs> about seven-man rotation? Yeah, I mean, that'd be fun. They could they could bid for what day of the week they can play on. Um, you know, that, that reminds me of the, the story they always talked about, uh, Tony Asabio, in the latter part of his career, they called him Preacher because he only played on Sunday. Um <laughs> You know that that could be interesting. Where, where they mix up, then you know they, they can select whatever day of the week they get to pitch in September. And I, realistically, though, Brian, I, I don't I don't think it's that far fetched. Um, yeah, that's a brutal end of the end of the season, and they're going to be comfortably in first place. And you know, unless like JV is chasing a, a Cy Young, and he's like that really matters to him, and you know, it it might for sure. Um, I don't think it's far-fetched that they really lean into a, a six-man rotation. I don't know about seven, but six 
uh, you know, in just conserving JV and, and maybe Framber and, and McCullers and make sure they're ready to go. I, I, I think that would work for sure. Um, Hunter Brown, I definitely want to see him. I, I know, I know Brian wants to see Odor easy on the street. Um, but I, I, I think he, uh, I think he just always provides value. Um, even in a bad start, like he did last Last night he still got four or five innings. You know he's 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 the he's the inning eater odor guy. You know like that that that's what you want. So I I, I think that's I I I'm backing that. I wouldn't say seven though. That's that's um that 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 seems crazy. But I've seen crazier things with Dusty. Well, here's my point: is seven too much if you're only pitching once a week, as you said? You know, battling for which day of the week you get to pitch. Is that is that too much in between starts guys are usually used to four or five if they're a starter, you know, off days happen. So four or five, um, I think it might be too much. I know they're doing that in the minor leagues, but why can't they manage it like they're, they're doing now when JV's getting a couple of extra days. Now Garcia, you know, got pushed back a couple of days. I too am concerned about the innings on JP, though it doesn't look like I have a reason to be. But Garcia, all those guys are throwing, you know, Garcia think through 155 innings last year, and that's by far the most he's ever thrown as a pro. And he's going to be right there again this year if they don't give him a day here and a day there, right, to push him back and maybe have two last starts or three last starts. Here's my question is why do we have to have Hunter Brown? in the rotation this year? Why can't he start out next season? Why can't he be a long man a la Seth Martinez this year? I'm not talking about forever, and I'm not even thinking he's in the playoff plans, right? I'm just saying come up, get some experience at the major league level with a pennant-winning team, hopefully, and next year come to spring training, and somebody's going to be maybe traded. That's the other thing, as Matt said. Who knows who's going to be here on August 1st, right? I saw, I read something today about Luis Garcia was in some conversations or theoretically in some conversations. So Hunter Brown may be replacing somebody that's that's currently there. So I, seven's a little too much for me. I, I agree with Matt. I think six is, six is a happy number if they're going to expand the rotation. Maybe Jake doesn't make it, right? It, his comments today was he's back where he was in those first two or three starts of the season, which is not a good place if you guys remember no. what happened that. So, all right, so let's lead into that. Speaking of which, trade deadline coming up. Personally, I think the Astros need help in the bullpen. I love Ryan Presley. I question, um, is he a top-end closer in the playoffs, in the playoffs atmosphere? I think he's really good. I think he's a really, really good setup man, like he was at first. But And he's a good closer. But is he World Series, World Champion type closer? Um, I don't know. And I wonder, obviously, I think they need some left-handed help in the bullpen. Um, whether that's Parker Mushinsky, I, I don't think so. I think they need somebody more established, and I think they might need – maybe he's already on the team, but maybe they need somebody else closing. Um, I, I'm gonna, This podcast is going to come out, and Astro fans are going to rip me because I'm ripping Jeremy Pena and now Ryan Presley. This was not my intent when we came on here. Uh, <laughs> I, just, I just saw 
you know, that, that meltdown against the Yankees worries concerns me. Because guess who are going to be playing in the playoffs, fellas? <laughs> New York Yankees. And yeah. uh, now he came back the next day or two days later and got the save. I understand that. But it, it worries me what I saw against the Yankees. It was a complete meltdown. He couldn't get anybody out. Brian, what's your take? I, you know, we all joke around. Chaz is one of my favorite players. We don't. We think he'll be a Miami Marlins soon. What's your take on what the Astros need to put them over the top? The West is one, basically, but that's not going to satisfy any of the three of us. We're looking for a world championship. They fell short. What do they need, and how do they get it, Brian? Well, and and here. Speaking of people hating this podcast, I guess I'm going to ruffle some feathers here too. But if you remember last season, and and this goes back to the to I think our top need, um, not only for this season but for the future, is we need a we need a dominant starting pitcher. Um, in the playoffs last season, it was utter collapse from the young guys, uh, starting pitching wise. Fromber was all over the place. Garcia really all over the place. Urquidy only had a couple starts, I believe. Um, and, and that's now you're talking about the heart of our, um, you know, rotation right now. I mean, that's really, uh, you know, that JV hasn't pitched a playoff game in however long. Um, and he always gets the, uh, you know, the, the ACE treatment. It doesn't get the run support that he needs. Um, so that, that hurts there too. So, so really, you're looking at McCullers if he's back and, and, and back to where he used to be. He's, he's really your guy with JV. I think you need a third, a third starter. And, and could Fromber or Christian Javier bounce be that guy coming forward? I think they could, but I question and I, whether or not they will be, you know, I, I don't think that, I don't think that they don't have the potential. I, I think that they have not shown yet that they can be that, that third man in the rotation of the playoffs that would get us to the world championship because really in, in a seven game series, you, you, you almost need four starters. Um, if you're, if you're facing some tough competition and there's a lot of, you know, early calls to the bullpen, like has been the trend in, in, in major league baseball in the past five or 10 years, um, you really need four starters. So my question, my biggest need, I think is, is a, a dominating starting pitcher that, will help McCullers and JV and potentially whoever else is left. Um, if, you know, uh, if, if worse comes to worse that, you know, in the playoffs, uh, like it did last year. Um, and how do you get that? I think you, I think you box together some of the younger guys, you know, I don't think Arkady has the trade value as much as Garcia does. So I, you know, I put together Odorizzi, Garcia, Chaz, or Siri, you know, one of those guys, and then maybe a, a, a younger guy, and and get a quality, you know, starting pitcher um, that's that's gonna not only and, and this is my caveat for this because I wouldn't do it just for a one year rental or a couple month rental. It has to be a guy that you can sign long term and, and have long term, and maybe is already under control. Um, and I know the Marlins aren't going to give us uh, Alcantara, however you say his last name. He's lights out. He's amazing. Um, but if you give them, if you give them two young starting pitchers, maybe they would, I don't know, you know, um, because they have a lot more needs than just one guy. So if you give them a couple of pitchers and say, here you go, we'll trade you, we'll trade you two of our guys for, um, you know, for your one ace, who knows, they might do it. They might not, but you need somebody, um, that's going to come through 
and get eat some innings in the playoffs because playoff innings are much harder to come by than they are in the regular season. Um, so you got to have somebody that's going to break you through there. That's going to be tough. That's going to be hard to to get. I think that's number one. Number two, you got to have a bat off the bench and and somebody that's going to fill in perhaps in left field because Brantley um, has been on and off as well. Problem is uh, the Dodgers will give the Marlins like nine starting pitchers, <laughs> three left fielders, and twenty-seven million dollars. Right? They'll they'll pay his salary uh, for for Alcantara. Um, yeah, Matt Conkle, what's your take? What do the Astros need to get over the hump, the World Series hump? We know they're going to win the West, barring anything crazily unusual. Uh, but what do they need to go all the way this year? Yeah, that's that's an interesting philosophical question because you got to look at what their needs are and what we were saying, you know, a couple months ago, even a month ago. Center field was was the glaring issue. I I don't know if Jake has clinched that, but I think he's he's giving a lot of optimism that he could be your number eight, number nine hitter, and he's come up in, in big spots and he's pretty good on defense and he's pretty well rounded. I I, I think. I think the front office is comfortable with them. So then you move to what can we do with pitching? Now, starting, that's interesting, Brian, because, you know, our, our guys last year got, got hit at the, end of the, at, at the end of the playoffs. But they were also kind of pay, playing out of their, let, let's call it the, the, the balance of where they should be. You know, McCullers was out, JV was out. So Framber had to step up and be that number one guy. He's going to pitch three times. You know, Luis Garcia probably was not ready to – pitch multiple, uh, you know, have multiple starts in the World Series and in, in, in the ALCS. So if we have Lance and JV for the playoffs, I think that pushes them down to that rightful balance of maybe, maybe Framber only gets one or two starts in the ALCS. Maybe Christian Javier only gets that one start. I, I wonder if that is enough for them, uh, for the front office to say, hey, if we have JV, we have Lance, we know those two we can lean on. Framber has shown to have some great starts in the playoffs. And then, hey, if we need the spot start, we can look at, you know, uh, matchups. And maybe Christian's, uh, Christian Javier is perfect here. And then we move Urquidy and, and um, um, Garcia to the bullpen. I, I, I personally think what they're going to focus on is uh, a reliever. Uh, they, need, they need to get a little, little more stout, probably find a lefty reliever. Um, I, I, I think I – mean, I, we don't need to say this. This is like a catchphrase. We know Chaz is going to get traded eventually, <laughs> right? Um, but I, I, I think there's going to be – I think that's going to be Click's uh, first focus. And, you know, that's interesting talking about Ryan Presley. Could the next closer – and I'm, I'm not going to – I don't, don't want to be hot take guy here because I love Ryan Presley and I think he is the closer. Could the next, the next closer be Ryan Stanek? Similar situation when Presley came in. He had that long run of scoreless innings. He was ready to take over, and, and then when he did, he was lights out, and he's been an all-star. Stanek has been phenomenal. I kind of like – he kind of has closer energy, doesn't he? He has that crazy hair. Yeah. He's got, like, a lot of energy when he throws, a lot of fire. Um, I like the action on, on his pitches. I, I think – I think there's something there, but I I I, I ride or die with Ryan Presley. I love the guy. I think he battles. Um, so I I ultimately think it's going to be a reliever. But hey, if Alcantara is truly available, that's 
that's pretty appeasing. That that'd be a nice number three option to have for a team trying to trying to clinch it. Matt Conker, you made an excellent point, you know, that I knew but didn't really think about until you started speaking there. They went to the World Series last year. They lost four games to two to the hottest team in baseball, right? And that's what the World Series is about a lot of times, who's hot. But they had neither JV nor McCullers last year. That's two, assuming JV stays healthy and McCullers gets healthy and starts pitching relatively soon. That's two starting pitchers they didn't have last year in the World Series, right? You were throwing out, as you said, Framber, who had an 18.29 ERA and two World Series starts, and young guys, Garcia or Keedy, with limited experience. They're not McCullers. They're, they're good. They're not McCullers, and they're obviously not JV, as we know. So what an excellent point and a great – I think it's a great way, great way to end this. Now, before we end it, I hope people stayed because we are Astros fans – <laughs> even though we, you know, we're being critical of the team, but we want the team to be world champions, not necessarily just American League champions, right? Yeah. Matt Conkel, Dallas, Texas. Brian Dunleavy, Fredericksburg, Virginia. Got it right this time. <laughs> Episode 16 is in the books. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm in Vegas next week, so I don't know. Maybe we'll do one next week. We'll see how it works out. But no, if not, let's do one at, at Tao when you're at Tao in the middle of the night. Just let's phone in and do one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Perfect timing. Thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. And, yes, we're still Astro fans, and they're really good. We just want them to be better. Thanks for listening to this episode of Juicebox Junkies. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And join us for the next episode of Juicebox Junkies.